Hey, it's Mailbag Wednesday, getting the listener comments and questions regarding second base, Pedro Grafal, Jake Berger in the starting rotation. Uh, Yoan Mancata is not moving back to second base. So can Jake Berger win a roster spot by switching positions? It's highly unlikely. I'm also going to tell you why it's an outside chance that Jake Berger will even make the ball club out of spring training. You are locked on White Sox. Your daily Chicago White Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Sox fans, welcome to Locked On White Sox. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Sox. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, just search Locked On White Sox. Uh, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Uh, visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Hey, I'm your host, Nick Murawski, a lifelong diehard Chicago White Sox fan, recording this podcast just blocks from the ballpark in beautiful Bridgeport. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTV. Lockdown White Sox is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. If the White Sox were to orchestrate a trade and find some way to bring in a starting second baseman, I've got some potential options to pour over. Uh, Jake Berger seems to be a man without a home and 35th and Shields might not work out either this season. Uh, the pressure is on Pedro Grifol, uh, Ben Attendee, and Vaughn. But what about the starting rotation? Hey, welcome back to Lockdown White Sox. Today is the day. Pitchers and catchers uh, reporting to Camelback Ranch in Glendale, Arizona. Hey, I appreciate you passing this podcast along to other White Sox fans in your life. Uh, it is Mail Bag Wednesday. I've received a lot of great comments and uh, uh, questions and predictions and just theories uh, over the last week or so uh, through some YouTube comments uh, on social media and also at LockedOnSocks at Gmail. So thank you so very much uh, uh, for the support, for the listenership, uh, and, and really interested uh, in what you have to think about this upcoming White Sox season, the spring training, uh, you know, we've been covering a lot of, you know, the hopes, uh, the potential and got a great email from Jim. Uh, Jim, really appreciate you reaching out. Uh, and, and Jim, uh, you know, had a lot uh, that, you know, he was, uh, you know, concerned about. And, and I and I echo all of those sentiments. And uh, one thing Jim had said is as to 2023, I think I am placing most of my hope and Pedro Grafol. And uh, I, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I probably wouldn't have said that when he first was hired. And, and still, I, as, as we talk today, you know, it still boggles my mind that that's the guy that they, they landed on uh, with all of the qualifications that Rick Khan uh, talked about uh, during the, uh, you know, the, the managerial search, this is what we're looking for and all this stuff. And, you know, I, I guess I shouldn't read too much into what Rick Hahn has to say, but uh, Pedro Grafol's the guy. Uh, you know, he knocked the uh, the interview out of the ballpark. Uh, Merkin has got a recent article just about 
everything he went through and, and how he felt during that process and that this was the this was the place for him. And uh, he's been winning me over more and more by what he's been saying and the, the folks that he's surrounding himself with. And, and this is uh, something that Dylan Cease uh, had to say, a guy that I'm uh, really hopeful about in 2023. This is Cease and Pedro Grafol. He introduced himself and kind of let me know how he likes to do things and how he likes to build relationships. And communication is huge with him, which is really important for his job. I have had a guy come up to me where I train and he spoke extremely highly of him. He basically said, I was hoping we were going to hire him as a manager. We all love that guy. He comes with a lot of positives being said about him. I look forward to building that relationship with him and and cease in those uh in those statements in that quote there really hit on a lot of what i've noticed and i'm sure you have as well communication grafol talks about building relationships clear communication with his coaching staff everybody's on the same page and delivering uh, his message clearly uh, to his players which is what he's going to start doing uh, in glendale arizona uh, so interesting to have uh, dylan cease a comment on Pedro Grafol. I have a lot of hope uh, for Dylan Cease that he can follow up on what he did uh, last season and maybe even, you know, up a few notches. Uh, that maybe he could take some pressure off of Kopech and Giolito. You know, Giolito working hard to uh, return to a custom levels, all the stuff that he's put in uh, this past offseason, well documented. Uh, it's a it's a prove it year for Lucas Giolito. You know, and what. Uh, what kind of contract he's going to get after this. I, I don't see the Sox particularly, you know, going after him. And it's, it's a weird situation for the Sox because if he does have a really good year and he gets into a, a top 10, top five, dare I say, Cy Young, uh, you know, voting conversation, he's priced himself out of the Chicago White Sox regarding starting pitching, unless there's a completely different uh, way they're going to be doing things all of a sudden. And Jerry Reinsdorf is going to decide to actually pay for pitching. And is that the guy you start with? I mean, do you bring Lucas Giolito back and say, well, he, you know, he proved it. He had a great year. We're going to, we're going to retain him and give him a big contract. I don't know. Uh, big questions for Giolito, big questions for Kopech. You know, hopefully that knee responds well and there are no limitations on his harm. So it'd be nice if Dylan Cease can, can follow up on what he did last year. You know, he's going to be the ace uh, of the staff. He's going to start uh, opening day. Hopefully he stays healthy. And, uh, you know, he's not going to be participating in the World Baseball Classic. He's going to be focusing on what he needs to do to get ready for the 2023 season. So I have a lot of hope uh, in Dylan Cease. Uh, Grafol, you know, he gives me a lot of hope, you know, like, uh, you know, following up with Jim. Uh, Grafol gives me hope because of the culture you know, he wants to create and how different this team should be in terms of preparedness and strategy. Uh, I, I like the coaches that he has surrounded himself with. Uh, uh, Grafol doesn't have the clout or the name recognition, uh, but maybe he has a better way of motivating, you know, and getting the most out of this group. It, it sure seems like that, that just small uh, quote from Dylan Cease there, that he was uh, very well respected around the rest of the league with all the other managerial openings. Uh, now, the White Sox starting staff uh, does not at all have the depth uh, that I would have liked. Uh, we are still waiting on the uh, Clevenger outcome, but 
uh, despite all the question marks. Uh, the Sox received favorable uh, marks recently. Uh, ESPN, I don't know if you saw this, ESPN rolled out their early uh, starting pitching rankings last week, and they put the White Sox uh, starting staff at seventh in all of baseball. Uh, this is what ESPN had to say. There are mostly slight differences between the pecking order of rotations uh, generated by this method and by the forecast at fan graphs, with teams generally landing within a handful of ranking spots from one approach uh, to the other. The White Sox were one of the biggest departures uh, in Chicago's favor, ESPN wrote. Uh, the projections see bounce backs for Lynn and Giolito, which has to happen for Chicago to really land here in the rotation hierarchy. Uh, the issue, though, is depth. Of course, uh, the White Sox don't have it, and these numbers don't know what's going to happen with the recent investigation concerning newcomer Clevenger. So that that all makes sense. Uh, I get uh, all of that, and, and that is the way of all these proje projections. Very difficult to figure out, I think, the 2023 White Sox uh, because of what happened last year in 2022 with all of the injuries and and just, you know, in terms of production, just falling completely uh, off in all different kinds of ways. So how do you really project? Uh, it's, it's almost this hope. You know, you don't have a lot to go off of with some of these players because we just don't have a big sample size. They haven't been healthy enough to stay on the field. Um so it's really a prove-it season for Giolito, and I think for Kopech, too, and even Lynn. Uh, hopefully that's used as motivation. That, that's the key. It's Even if it's individual stuff, for Giolito, I think it is. It's for him personally, and hopefully we as a team benefit. Kind of reminds me of what happened with Carlos Rodon a couple seasons ago. That was a prove-it year for him, and he did, and he got himself paid, and look where he is uh, right now. So... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, but I, I do have a lot of hope uh, in, in Dylan Cease. And uh, I want to think that the starting pitching is, uh, it, despite the depth, I do believe it, it could be a top 10. Uh, but, you know, we're waiting on the Clevenger situation. Uh, so, Amber, appreciate you writing in. Uh, a lot of stuff from, from Amber, which I do appreciate. Uh, Amber uh, worried about, you know, the high expectations, uh, specifically on Vaughn, Benatendi, and Grafol. So Grafol sure has a ton on his shoulders. Uh, you know, this team, I think, has got a an AL elite nucleus. However, uh, not enough was done, of course, over the offseason uh, to patch up uh, or figure out second base, right field, and the depth like we just previously talked about. Um but again, that core, well, what could happen with that core, the potential, uh, and can Grafol change the way how things were done last year? Can Grafol, from a distance, you know, him as a Kansas City Royals manager, uh, or coach, I should say, but with the Royals organization for so long and, and how he looked at the White Sox from a distance and said, okay, I, I see what's going on here. If I were in charge, this is what I would be doing. Now, it's one thing to say all of those things and have that plan. Can the players respond? And I think that's the big, that's the big challenge for Grafol. You know, will he get, will he get these players to respond and buy in? Uh, so I, you know, he has a ton of expectations now, if he succeeds, which is great, then Rick Hahn also succeeds, you know, and that might be a whole different uh, segment or a whole different episode. And that's a good thing. You know, this is Hahn's guy and uh, Grafol's got a lot on his shoulders, but he's, I think he's surrounded himself with the right uh, people. 
Uh, Andrew Vaughn, um, I wouldn't want to be in Andrew Vaughn's shoes, uh, you know, especially if it's a struggle in April and May. Not not like Jose Abreu was hitting the cover off the ball in April and May traditionally, but we know what kind of seasons uh, Jose Abreu had throughout the summer and down the stretch. And uh, an absolute White Sox legend has left. You know, you're going to see number 79 retired at some point. You'll see a statue, I hope somewhere on the concourse, Jose Abreu is gone. He's wearing another uniform. Can't worry about him too much. However, Andrew Vaughn will always be compared to Jose Abreu until, until Andrew Vaughn starts putting up, you know, some solid numbers. And that might take a little while. Uh, my hope is that returning to first base or I guess getting his first shot in the big leagues at first base full time uh, and him now seeing big league pitching uh, for a couple of years, uh, he, he's a bit of a veteran. Um, you know, he, he can, he can deliver and he, I'm not saying he's going to be a leader, uh, but I just hope fans, you know, I hope fans take it easy on him just a little bit. Uh, but the temptation is going to be there. I think it's more directed at the front office of look, th this is what we've got now. And this is your making, but I, I believe in Andrew Vaughn, you know, I call a, a while ago, I said, this was going to be the year of, of Andrew Vaughn. Uh, and I do, I do think he's going to have a very solid year uh, if the back can stay healthy. That, that's the big worry, of course. Health. Uh, this is the White Sox we're talking about. So if his back can stay right, I, I think you're going to. I think you're going to see solid numbers. Uh, absolutely. Uh, ben Attendee, Look, he, he's the big, you know, off-season acquisition. He, he's the money man, the highest-paid White Sox player in history. Um, he's he's got a five-year deal. He finally answers our left-field uh, position, lefty bat, no more shift. Is the hand healthy? You know, I don't think we should look at him to carry this team. I'm looking more at Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez, and I guess even Tim Anderson. Uh, but Andrew Benatendi is going to be just fine. If, he, if he's healthy and the hand's right, I really think he's going to be just fine. Uh, thank you, Jim and uh, Amber, for checking in uh, on the mailbag. Hey, Jake Berger uh, had some exciting moments in 2022. I'm going to tell you uh, why making the roster is a tall task. Uh, more on that in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Uh, that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Uh, then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, uh, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Uh, so don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn, learn more. Uh, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. I've heard uh, from a lot of folks over the last year or so, um, but specifically over the last couple of weeks, uh, Luke and Michael got in a question at uh, LockdownSocks at Gmail about Jake Berger. And, and essentially, it's like, what can we expect from Jake Berger in 2023? And, you know, Jake Berger has been through so much physically, mentally, well-documented, uh, you know, those Achilles injuries uh, very early on in his career after he was drafted, thought maybe he was going to be, 
you know, the future third baseman. Uh, everybody loved his bat. We've seen some glimpses offensively. The defense hasn't quite been there. Um, so what what do you think the role of Jake Berger is going to be on this team? I mean, I I have no idea. I, I've said to people, and I've had these conversations on uh, my weekly White Sox podcast, Good Guys Talk Back with my co-host, Pat Hester, is, I mean, what what have the Sox been doing? They're sitting on Jake Berger for these years. And maybe, you know, other teams are a little standoffish. They don't want to take a risk on Jake Berger because they don't know of what they're getting. And I think it would have to be a, a rebuilding team, a, a team that's willing to take a risk on, you know, hey, this guy's got some upside. We've got a hole at third base or at DH. You know, we'll figure that out. I think you're going to have to package Jake Berger with somebody else if you're going to go after, you know, another arm uh, or even a proven second baseman. Anyway, uh, you know, Jake Berger has, uh, boy, he has had ups and downs. And uh, we, we've seen some flashes last year. Uh, Scott Merkin recently uh, came out with his roster predictions. And uh, I, I trust Scott Merkin. He's seen a lot of spring training. He's seen a lot of White Sox baseball over the years. And this is uh, what he had for the utility, uh, these utility players for the White Sox. He's got three utility players uh, making the team. Lurie Garcia with that contract, you know, and, and everything that Lurie Garcia can potentially do. Uh, you're going to have Lurie Garcia. Gavin Sheets, uh, I understand that, you know, with the shift being gone, that power lefty bat. That could be a platoon DH, possibly. He might see some time in right field, like Connor McKnight uh, had hinted at. And then Victor Reyes was the other name that Merkin went with. And this is uh, Merkin's justification. Garcia will play across the diamond, uh, which represents his greatest value. Uh, Sheets provides true left-handed power. And the switch hitting Reyes uh, would seem to have an edge uh, over Billy Hamilton, uh, Jake Marisnik and Jake Berger as the fourth outfielder. Uh, so, you know, obviously outfield, uh, the lack of depth there, uh, very concerning. Uh, Jake Marisnik is an interesting guy. I'm curious to see what his spring training is like. Uh, but Jake Berger's stuck. Uh, he, he does seem to be like a man without a home. Uh, Berger finished the season with eight home runs, nine doubles, and 26 RBIs, uh, over 168 at-bats in 2022 and recorded the game-winning RBI in four consecutive White Sox victories from May 25th to June 5th. Uh, those were exciting days. I remember that. Uh, I, hopefully you do. That seems like forever ago, but I do remember that hot streak that Berger had. Uh, in 37 games, covering 326 innings at third uh, last season, Berger committed six errors. Um, and uh, this is what Merkin had to say. Despite possibly being suited as a DH for 2023 uh, for the White Sox, Berger also wants to be ready at third base, even with Yoan Moncada as the incumbent. Uh, and he has worked diligently this offseason to improve that defensive area of his game. Uh, this is what Berger had to say uh, this, out, this past offseason. I had a stretch there where it was like I felt like every game I was making an error uh, and, you know, it's just controlling the mindset there. I know what type of player I am defensively. And if you let the one or two bad mistakes kind of eat at you, it just kind of spirals out of control. Uh, that's what happened this year. I was just trying to control that a little better, uh, make it one small event after that. 
uh, and then let it instead of letting it spiral out of control. Obviously, it didn't help because it was in big situations. So errors are a little more magnified than they otherwise would be. I'm still very confident there's no one that is going to be harder on themselves than I am when it comes to that. I want to help the team win in any way, just kind of controlling that, realizing that, hey, let's move on. You got the next one instead of thinking about that too much. Can Jake Berger play second base? Um, You know, with the new shift rules, uh, you can't cheat. You know, Tim Anderson can't even have a foot on the other side of second base. Uh, you know, or else if, if umpires are paying attention, you know, there's some penalties with that. Uh, so you're, you're, you're not going to get help from a short, from a short stop. You're not going to be able to scoot yourself uh, into the outfield and play like a short right field as a second baseman. You're going to have to have range. I mean, you're covering that whole area seemingly on your own from the second base bag to the first base bag. I don't think I don't know if Jake Berger's there. I don't think he is. Uh, it'll be an interesting camp. He's got to prove it. He's got a lot to prove. It just feels like he's stuck. Uh, he's stuck behind Mankata, and I do not want him uh, defensively over Mankata. And I like Berger's bat, but you know what other what versatility do you bring defensively? Which the the White Sox were horrible, obviously defensively last year. So. Uh, we'll see with Berger. I got a feeling right now, though, he is not going to make this team uh, out of spring training. I go with Merck on that. Uh, if it's not Romy Gonzalez or Lenin Sosa, could it be Biggio or Espinal uh, from Toronto? Or maybe the Nick Madrigal trade will actually happen out in the desert. Uh, more on that in a moment. Uh, so I got this uh, question uh, uh, last week, I believe, uh, on the YouTube uh, comments, and I I appreciate it. It's, it's about second base. Um, and there are seven different uh, second basemen uh, that uh, were talked about here. If maybe these could be targets in some trade or something could happen potentially still uh, during spring training. It, it seems a little unlikely, uh, but here, here are some of the names. And I, I, I've got these guys uh, put in my order of these seven. This is kind of what I would like to see. And it's it's close of, of, of the pecking order, but uh, Gavin Lux uh, would be a top choice uh, from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Then I've got Biggio from Toronto. Uh, and then right after that, Luis uh, Guillermo uh, from the uh, New York Mets. And then uh, Nicky Lopez uh, from the Royals, which we talked about. Uh, there was that rumor a couple weeks ago, possibly with Nicky Lopez. Uh, and then you've got after that five uh, six, seven, they're all righties. So I kind of glump this group just as, you know what, I would really like a lefty uh, batting second baseman. I want the lefty. Uh, so the righties, you know, they kind of threw at the bottom. I got Santiago uh, Espinal from Toronto. He's in my fifth spot, but I could kind of see him moving up a little bit. I was really impressed with what I saw from him uh, when we played the Blue Jays. They've got a lot of great uh, players. That Blue Jays team was fun to watch. I felt like they were able to score at will against us. And uh, so I've got him in that five spot, six spot, David Fletcher from the uh, Los Angeles angels, uh, a righty. And then seventh, I've got Nick Madrigal. I just something about the whole situation. I'm not interested in a reunion with Nick Madrigal. I know Nick Madrigal might be a better option than Lenin Sosa and might even be a better option than Romy Gonzalez. But you know what? You, you went away from Madrigal. 
that's a reunion I, I really don't uh, want to see. So I've got him bottom of my list. Uh, Lux, uh, he had a pretty solid 2022 for the Dodgers. Uh, career slash 253, 329, 383. None of these guys have any uh, real power. Uh, but uh, some solid stuff in games played from 2022. Vigio, uh, not a great slash line. Played less, though, in 100 games. Uh, I, I like him out of Toronto, though, because I just like Toronto's ball club. And, and here we've got Charlie Montoya as our bench coach with Pedro Grafol, wondering what he's going to bring from his time uh, with the Blue Jays. Uh, and then number three, I've got Luis uh, Guillermo. Again, played for a solid organization in the New York Mets. You know, might not see a ton of playing time. Uh, a lefty career slash 267, 354, and 334. Again, no no real power out of these guys, you know, but I, I'm looking for guys that, you know, are proven second baseman. You know, they could put the ball in play. Uh, if you're not going to go power, then, you know, get on base. Uh, absolutely. And I'm looking for lefty, a, a lefty bat. So that's that's kind of my one through seven of those names that you threw out there. Appreciate that. And again, we're talking second base still. You know, that's the issue. And I think that's going to be talked about. That's a storyline for sure. Anybody you talk to about the White Sox, it's right field, second base. You know, what's going to happen with your bullpen if you're not talking about Pedro Grafol? So a lefty bat would be nice. The question here, and I've had this asked of me as well, as I'm sure you've, you've probably asked this question too. Why doesn't Yohan Mankata just move to second base, go back to second, uh, and Berger can play third. So I, I went through some stuff, uh, some articles that I remember reading, uh, and there was one from last offseason with Rick Hahn talking about that potential. And uh, Rick Hahn, in his very Rick Hahn way, said, never say never, uh, but look, uh, he's a pretty darn good third baseman. He's comfortable there. He's an awfully good player. I don't know if you want to upset the apple cart of something that's working, Never say never. Great Han speak there. Uh, he continued, though, it may uh, have to be rep repetition and maturity, but certainly he was more comfortable defensively and, and, and his athleticism and instincts were more uh, accessible at third base than they were at second. Uh, and this is what Ricky Renteria said way back in August of 2019. Remember, Ricky? Uh, I think the biggest concern everybody had when he, uh, when we first moved him to third was the nuances of playing third base would disrupt his offensive side. It was actually the opposite. I think it allowed him to focus a little bit more on both sides of the baseball. Some of the things we talked about in terms of when he played second uh, were that he might become a little lackadaisical at times because it seemed kind of easy. He stays a little bit more focused at third. I thought that was a very interesting quote, although I have seen the lackadaisical stuff at third, but more focused at third, you know, the reflexes, the attention, and, and uh, Ricky Renteria is saying, you know, I think it it uh, it translated offensively, which is a good thing. So Mankata was a Gold Glove finalist in in 2020. Uh, you know, I, I think he I think he can win a Gold Glove. I, I know I'm going to hear it from people. I know there's a lot of folks out there that are done with Yoan Mankata uh, offensively for sure, and and they don't think too much of his defense. Uh, he is a very good third baseman, though, and, and I understand. And have definitely participated, though, in the criticism, lazy at times, prone to injury when he's charging a slow roller, 
and sometimes is a bit too, you know, nonchalant. But he, from what we've had over the years, you know, after Creedy, there's been some duds at, at third base. And uh, he plays he plays the hot corner very well. If only his bat could pick it up, I, I think we can excuse some of the some of the lackadaisical stuff. And, and I hope he's improved that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's right back in that gold glove conversation. But you're going to see Yohan Mankata staying at third. Berger's not going to go to second. You know, it's going to be a battle. I honestly, at the end of it, I think it's going to be between Gonzalez and Sosa. And I think Gonzalez takes it because he's got more big league experience. But that will definitely be something uh, we are all watching. Hey, really appreciate all the questions, comments, predictions, whether it's through YouTube comments or on social media, on Twitter, or, or through the Locked On Socks at Gmail. Uh, I, I really, really appreciate it. Folks, thank you so very much for making this podcast part of your daily routine. You can find the Lockdown White Sox podcast absolutely everywhere you find your podcast. We're on Twitter at Lockdown Sox. You can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we are less than 10 subscribers away from that magical 1,000 mark. Uh, thanks for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen. Now make your second listen. The Lockdown MLB Prospects host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, coming up on the next episode, I'll continue to be looking at off-season scenarios as we are now waiting for position players to report on February 20th in Glendale, Arizona. Appreciate you making time for the Lockdown White Sox podcast. I'm Nick Morawski. Until next time, go Sox.